The Get It Up podcast is brought to you by Vault Health. Guys, you may not see a doctor very often for all the reasons we know. Time off work, the endless waiting room, the unfulfilling answer from the doctor when you tell him about your one problem. There's another way, Vault Health. Go to vaulthealth.com and find a men's health expert to help you address the things you care about most. Feeling like you're failing in the bedroom, boardroom, and the gym? Are you tired? Is your sex drive gone? Are your muscles hidden by fat you just can't lose? Vault Health is the answer. Visit vaulthealth.com, that's V-A-U-L-T health.com, where you can talk to the doctors who are the experts that know how guys work. Vault Health is specialized healthcare for men and their manhood. Visit vaulthealth.com. That's vaulthealth.com. Please leave your message. Hi, I'm Frank and I'm 63. My wife tells me it's not normal to get up and pee three to four times a night. I think it's just one of these things that a guy has to deal with as they get older. I think it bugs her more than it bugs me, but hey, should I get it checked out? This is Get It Up with your hosts. I'm Dr. Miles Spar, men's health expert. I'm Dr. Alex Pastashak, and I'm a dick doc. I'm Jason. I know what you know, nothing about men's health. I'm going to get the answers. Dr. Spar, Dr. P, good to see you. Good to be here. Hi, hi. I cannot tell you how much I actually want to try to um, sympath- empathize with Frank. This guy, this dude can't pee. I, you know what's happening with me, actually? This is kind of ridiculous. I can't even believe it. I'm, I'm not that old. I'm 48. I don't have these problems. It's, I'm a hypochondriac. But here's <laughs> the bottom line. I see a bathroom or think of a bathroom and I got to pee. I, I am constantly having to pee. Peeing is like becoming a new th- I actually plan when I'm going to pee. When I get in the car and I go somewhere, I got to think about when's the next time I'm going to see a bathroom. I've got to pee. Right. Well, that's that's a that's an issue. And you, you know, talk about funny. that, Jason. I don't. Yeah. Like, I don't really think of it as an issue. I drink a lot of water. I don't. I, you sound it, a you lot know. like Frank. <laughs> one of my one of my patients who's like in his mid fifties told me. <laughs> he said, "You know, I know I've reached a certain age when I have to pee so bad. When I finally pee, it actually is as much of a relief as coming." <laughs> Like he's like, I'm like, which feels better to actually have a really good pee or to have a really good ejaculation? Oh my gosh. I have to piss so bad at all times. And literally I say, my kids are like, again, again, again. Yeah. Again. Yeah. So wait, but wait, when you, when you go pee, do you pee a lot or you pee a little? See, I'm, di- I'm diagnosing him. There you go. No, There's I pee fine. I don't have any issues peeing. I really I don't freely. have, I just pee a lot, but I don't really have an issue. No, it's okay. Okay. Yeah, All right, well, let's get issue. enough about you, Jason. This <laughs> is about Frank. Frank has, <laughs> I always like to get myself checked. But before these podcasts start, <laughs> I want to- free console. I, I get my, free, you know, I am, I am trying not to use my insurance right now. You know, I'm trying to just get We're my free console. We're billing it. <laughs> so Frank's wife is saying it's annoying her, probably because he gets up 47 times a night, actually, whatever he said, three or four times a night. Yeah. So what's the deal? What's Frank's issue? Is this a common problem? I don't have to pee at night, by the way, just in case you didn't ask me that question. I was gonna, but I'm glad you told me. <laughs> no, I, I pretty much can hold it. Okay, so you're not quite like Frank. You no. might have overactive bladder, but what Frank sounds like he might have, I mean, it could be either, but is overactive bladder or 
BPH, benign prostatic hyperplasia. BPH. And this is when your prostate enlarges. You know, I make unquote. notes in my head as to whether or not this is a disease I want to own or not. So I just am trying to decide now. So BPH is what again? You will own this. <laughs> It'll own you if you if don't you own it. If you live long enough, you will have this. <laughs> okay. Just making a note now. Just BPH, now. benign, what? Prostatic hyperplasia. Uh-huh. And okay. what does that mean? Prostate enlargement. Oh, okay. So my prostate's big. Yeah. Your prostate, quote unquote, gets big. But what it's really doing, even if it's not actually increasing in size, is it's squeezing your urethra, your P-tube. Because remember, let's just do a little anatomy real quick. So, right. So your prostate is sitting like right behind your bladder and it encompasses the tube, your urethra, that goes through it to take pee out of your body. So if your prostate gets enlarged. It's like the toll booth. A little bit. Highway. <laughs> yeah, it's well, it's it's actually it's like your urethra is a tunnel yes. going through this big mountain of yeah. your prostate. <laughs> right. Your your, and your if metaphor the mountain works. <laughs> is starting to encroach inward then on it's the tunnel. Press, yes. Okay, and so the so this prostate gets. Wait, this is the. T- I was going to ask the question. I think I know. I'm already getting embarrassed to ask the question. Like, is this going to be an exam for me that I'm going to need to have it when I want to get my prostate checked? Where you stick your finger up my ass? Is this what this is going to be like? I mean, often, but really it's diagnosed by your symptoms. So tell me. You know, so, so, and let's talk. So there's a difference between overactive bladder, which is your bladder just sitting there and squeezing, wanting to pee, right? Is the bladder uh, a muscle? muscle. It's a muscle. It is a muscle. Yeah. You know, and then BPH, which is the increased resistance to peeing. Right, so symptoms of BPH are very typical of what Frank complains of, which you get up multiple times a night. That's called nocturia, like night peeing. Right, <laughs> and then the other symptoms are, you know, things like, you know, when you when you stand at the urinal or the toilet to pee, it takes you a while to start. You might have stop start peeing. Your force of stream is decreased, meaning like you're not you're not drilling a hole through the toilet anymore right? Like you used to. Afterwards, you might dribble a little bit. But in general, you know, there are these these very clear symptoms that you're not peeing as hard or fast or regularly as you were you're before. You're forcing your pee. You're trying to yeah, force you're, you're your forcing pee. your pee, right. And even at night, right? The reason Frank is getting up potentially three to four times a night is because when he pees, he's not able to get everything out of his bladder. And so it fills up more quickly. Ah, that's what it is. Okay. So the, the bladder is sitting there trying to squeeze pee out. The prostate is going the other way, squeezing it from coming out. So you're you've actually got this blockage, and so you're feeling this urge to have to go, right? But you can't actually get it all out. Yeah, you can get some of it out, but right. there's some that's still left over, even though you feel like you've gotten it all out. And that's BPH, and that's and that's very typical of BPH. BPH. So it's your prostate's in the way. And does this mean you have prostate cancer? No, not at all. What does it mean? It means that you you've got a prostate that's you know, quote unquote, bigger than it was before. Why? And it's causing you problems. Yeah, because the prostate know? grows over time. How do you know it's not, pro- like what should Frank do? Should Frank go get that checked out? Well, Frank Frank should go get it checked out because it's decreasing his quality of life, you know, yeah. but but I mean, a big way you test for prostate cancer, the way you test for prostate cancer is you get a blood test looking at PSA or prostate specific antigen and you do and you do a finger exam. The finger exam. Yeah, but, but that's a test for prostate cancer. You know, th- there's no reason that Frank can't have an evaluation for BPH that, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean a finger up his butt and still get treated. So is there a difference between when it's, when it's prostate? So let's just diagnose this for a second. So a guy comes in and says, I can't pee. So what's the first thing you're going to do for him? You're going to ask him the questions you asked me, then yes. what? And I'm, I'm going to have him fill out a questionnaire that gives you a very good idea of which road he's going down, right? 
And then I'm probably going to have them do a, a P test in what we call in urology a Euroflow. A Euroflow. Yeah, Euroflow. What are you going to do with him? Well, I mean, basically, he stands, he pees into a funnel, yeah. right? And that tells us how fast he pees and how much he pees. So the funnel measures the the speed mm -hmm. and force of the pee? Yeah. And there, these are regular things in urologist offices. And there's even one now that you can send to a patient's house you know, that collects the data and then sends it over to, to the practitioner. Literally. So Literally. you can now pee at home and in the device? Pee at home. Yeah. And then he can monitor over time. How yeah, he's exactly. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. All right, so now, but all right, so you measure, so then you get the results. You go, okay, now you have BPH. So now what do we do? Now you treat them. And, and What's you, treatment? There's medical therapy, right? Which so is? There, there are drugs that you can take once a day. Like? They're, they're called alpha-1 blockers, yeah. right? And the most common is called Flomax, right? There, there are several others. And the patient takes those, and within a couple of days, depending on the drug, they are often peeing better. What happens? So it, it's it's making the it's making the prostate shrink, or it's opening up the urethra. What's happening? It's 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 essentially so the prostate is made up of there. There's a big part of it that's muscle. It's not muscle that you and I can contract, but it's still muscle. And what these drugs do is they relax that muscle. Ah. And my integrative medicine hat, I have to say, there are also natural supplements that are almost as effective Definitely. and very safe. Like? Um, like saw palmetto is the most common one. I use it on my hair. Saw palmetto, that helps to keep my hair. My, my, the, it could because it does block some of the conversion. It works the way older BPH medicines work, which basically block this conversion of testosterone to a form of testosterone called DHT. And that form of testosterone contributes to enlargement of the prostate and to losing your hair. So yeah, you can do that. But basically, saw palmetto, and there are other ones, they have this active ingredient that's a sterol. It's called beta-citosterol. It also helps with cholesterol, actually. Um, and you take that, and that actually has been shown to work as well as some of these medications with fewer side effects. So the bottom line is you can take a pill and start peeing better. Yes. This works? Yeah, it works. And I mean, it, when it sometimes it stops working, and at that point, you might need a procedure, right? Like and, what? So there... You can have prostate surgery. We'll get to that in a second. But between medications and full-on surgery, you can have a procedure that either kind of using water vapor can vaporize part of your prostate and open up that space. Just blow away part of the prostate. Yeah. Yeah. And, get and rid then of there, the enlargement. And there's another procedure that like puts these little kind of clothes pins across your prostate and stretches it open. Right. And, you know, these are all sort of outpatient, yeah, very but I don't quick want things. Procedure. I want to hear about the pill. So the pill yeah. will work. The pill, you know, the, most guys. In, in most guys, the pill works, you know, at least for a while. And what's the what's the downside of the pill? Mm, not much. I mean, you know, the, the, the biggest downside of some of them is that they can make you feel a little lightheaded because they can drop your blood pressure. You know, but that's that doesn't happen to everybody. Okay. And you take it at night to, to prevent that. All right. So you can take a pill and prostate problem solved. Yes. Well, sorry. Peeing It gets problem. better. Peeing problem. Problem. Well, then there's right. some lifestyle things too, right? So you want to make sure it's just stupid things that you wouldn't normally think about, like not having caffeine late in the day because caffeine is a diuretic. It makes you, makes you urinate more. Not having too much to drink fluid-wise right before bed. So you can start with some simple things like that that can help you not produce as much urine overnight if getting up at night That's is a problem. That's a big thing. Yeah. But, but ultimately, if you're peeing... So for just for Frank's sake, I mean, if you're peeing too much, the bottom line is... Or sorry, you're having trouble peeing. That's mm -hmm. really the bottom line. You're yeah. having trouble peeing. There is an answer to it. There yeah. is. And, but I do want to say like what Alex was saying, I don't want to get away from procedures too much because while these medicines help, they don't help everyone enough. And so there are procedures that are a lot easier to tolerate than your your father and your grandfather's terp. That's what you used to hear about. The rotor rooter. Yes. Seriously? There'd yes. be a rotor. You literally <laughs> That's could what they used to do. That was the only thing they would, they'd stick a this. A rotor rooter. 
<laughs> yes, I think with your urethra. Oh shit! And just ream it out. What? Yes, apple coring out. Really? Yes, that's that's what your the, grandfather had done. And and you know, side note, guys, there's actually a robot robot now that kind of does that. Right? It's a roto rooter robot. Yeah, mm-hmm. roto rooter yeah, robot. A, it's 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 <laughs> an aqua ablation, so it uses high pressure water to essentially just cut out you're, all of that excess you're pressure process. washing Ouch. your dick are you awake while this <laughs> you're is process- i hope not oh, God. <laughs> this is <But> unbelievable <laughs> anyway <laughs> the point is there are newer procedures like no, that doesn't Alex sound good i like about. this pill i like the idea by the way somebody told me that you could actually take um cialis uh, and it would help you. Yes, actually, I'm I'm really glad you brought that up. So, yes. yeah, but that's a that's a sex pill. That's a that's a get hard. That's pill. right. You get a twofer, right? Two for yeah. one. Two for one special. I love to. By the way, I love <laughs> twofer. So tell me but, what's up. But it's typically not as effective as um, taking one of the alpha blockers. Number one and number two, just price wise, um, you know, they, they still tend the the Cialis approach tends to be more expensive than the other. But what? Wait, wait. So how is how is I don't understand how they're related. So one helps you pee and one helps you get hard. So well, what's right? So but and and we and this is this is part of part of the well I don't want to say part of the issue. It's not really an issue. Uh, we don't really understand how Cialis actually helps with urination. We 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 don't know the mechanism, but it works. By which it helps. Yes, but you it have works. patients that yes, tell you there have been clinical is. trials that have shown that daily Cialis in two point five or five milligrams, you know, actually can help improve. Uh, um, urinary symptoms. And you get a hard-on. And you get a hard-on. Is, is well, it's the, not the same dose as you take for the as-needed hard-on. That's like a 20-milligram dose. But yeah, it definitely can help. And you can take it in combination with these other pills that Dr. Alex was talking about earlier. Got it. So so I think I think one other thing we need to cover, though, is Jason's symptoms of having to pee all the time. Yeah. Right? So because Jason just told us, I mean, he told us, he's like, I pee fine. Yeah, I pee freely. I pee pee daily. Is that a book? I pee daily. There's the author. I pee daily. Yellow River is the name of it. (laughs) No, but but so so there's a distinction between enlarged prostate and then the bladder contracting all the time. You know, to make you feel like you need to pee. I think I have. I think it's psychological for me. I think. I think. I think it's. I see a bathroom and I realize I don't want to be in that place where there's nothing worse than like I've got to pee and I can't concentrate anymore. Right. And now I'm completely completely lost in anything else I'm doing because all I'm thinking about is I got to pee or worse I go to the movies and I get you know 64 ounces 164 ounces of something to drink and I know that I'm going to end up having to pee. like that just drives me insane so now I'm becoming very conscious of it but maybe I do maybe maybe the truth is I do have to pee too much well and you you based on the fact that you say that you pee just fine and you pee a lot every time you pee that, that that's to me that's not setting off any alarm bells but you know there are Guys and and women have this as well because it's called overactive bladder and and in some cases you know if it's neurological it can be called neurogenic bladder where they they feel like they need to pee all the time so the, the, there's very there's very strong urinary urgency and frequency is what we call it and um you know but they're not peeing very much right and so you know that's a different diagnosis than BPH it's, how do you solve that it's it's pretty easy to make to make and then there are also drugs that can slow down how much a, bl- a bladder contracts like a muscle relaxant exactly for the it's a bladder muscle relaxant yeah what's that called well so there are several classes there there are the anticholinergics which are the the sort of first generation ones and you know and they work really well but they also give you a lot of side effects like facial flushing and and um, constipation and dryness you know your mouth gets really dry etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, and then there's a newer class of drugs. I forget the class, but the main drug in that is called Merbetric or Mirabegron. And w- that essentially has all the kick of the anticholinergics without any of the side effects. All right. So you've 
You don't have to suffer in silence. You should get this checked out. I can pee or pee less. (laughs) Right. But I can dial my pee to the right amount at the right time. Yeah, you know, no, it's funny because like, you know, these guys will come in and you know, and I'm talking about a BPH guy. I had a patient come in, he was like 65 years old. You know, we ended up doing a procedure on him, you know, but but he comes in after his procedure and I'm like, hey, how you doing? He's like, Oh my god, doc. This is the first time that I could pee better than my 15-year-old son. It's like, I was just like, he's like, yeah, when it hits the wall, it's harder than the way his hits the oh wall. Oh, my God. Awesome. But he's, he can pee. He feels better. Yes. He's, it's, 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 it's amazing how much we love the feeling of being able to pee. I didn't realize how much I cared about it until I got to this age. Really. I'm not <laughs> it's old. A relief. But I really love peeing. It's a relief. I, I really feel good about it. But I don't love that digital rectal exam thing. I don't like a finger in my ass, it turns out. Well, but you do, if you have some of these symptoms. <laughs> I want to talk about this. You want to rule Clearly, out prostate cancer. Yeah, yeah. I want to get up to and the prostate cancer yeah, thing. Yeah. I'm sorry. I got to interrupt on this one because I just do. Like, this is a very, very concerning thing. I have heard different stories from doctors about you need to get your prostate exam done earlier than 50. You don't need to do it until you're 50. Maybe it's 40, you know, in the medical books, but really 50 is the right. I don't know. What's the answer? Well, the, the guidance is pretty clear on that you know, now, um, in so much that if you have a family history of prostate cancer, meaning like one of your first degree relatives had it, um, especially at an earlier age, then you should probably get, start getting checked around 45, right? But the new guidance is, you know, 55 and up 55 to 69 is actually the age range now. But I, and African-Americans start younger as well, right? They do. That's right. Yeah. Much higher risk. mm -hmm, Exactly. But if you have symptoms, that precludes all that. If you have symptoms like this, to me, you should get checked out. And unfortunately, the blood test is imperfect. It's not a great screening blood test. The PSA blood test that we do and that most guys do starting at age 50, you could do a little younger, like we said, in higher risk individuals, but it's not a great test. It's it's overly sensitive, meaning it picks up a lot of things that aren't cancer and makes you worried that you have cancer and makes you potentially undergo more procedures. So really feeling if there's a hard nodule there is really the best way Which to brings know us is back it really to, a risk. To the, to the, to the finger exam. exam, yeah. Damn it. You could try it yourself. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to do that. So, I mean, it's like the worst. I have to tell you, this is, for me, this is the reason to not want to go get my annual physical. This literally is the reason. For, for some me. guys, it's the reason they do want to get there. <laughs> <laughs> you know too many of those I miles. have patients like that. Yeah, that just, I'm like, you know what? We've been doing this every month now. I think that's <laughs> too enough. much. Oh, you get them I coming back just for the trip. you're good for a year. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> I, just, I just want to make sure, Doc. Does that mean you get 12 years worth? I mean, I, I, I think this is the worst and most humiliating, violating experience ever is to have to go to you guys and actually have to drop my trowel and have you actually, what are you feeling when you're doing this? You're feeling the prostate through the rectal wall, right? Because it lies right up against the rectal Where wall. Where is the prostate? I thought you just said it's near my, near, near my, it's uh, between penis. your bladder and your rectum. So it's up there in the middle somewhere. Right. And so you can feel the back part of it pushing against the rectal wall, basically the length of about two-thirds of your finger. I know. I know it's right? two-thirds of your finger. Yeah, I know, because right. it's getting way up in there. I mean, right. I think you can tell what I had for breakfast. What is it that you're feeling, though, when you're feeling You're this? feeling its pressure against that rectal wall, and it should just feel kind of rubbery. It should feel not, like, hard, like hard like a, a hard nut or a hard... 
ball. It should just feel a little bit kind of uh, like like your ear earlobe a little bit or whatever that middle part of your ear that cartilage is made of. J- Jason loves toys. We should just get him one of those like um, one of those uh, those um, um, <laughs> simulators. Love my right. Wait, there's, a, there's a prostate simulator. There is a prostate simulator. But, yeah. yeah, but if you that's if what you I want. I want to have it's like a fidget cancer, spinner or a right. prostate simulator. But it needs to be in the experienced hand of experienced finger by someone because once a doctor knows what prostate cancer feels like, you know, like you, you stick your finger in there and your heart just drops when you f- know you're feeling, oh God, all right, this is definitely something bad. You just know it. You can just feel it instantly. You sure that's and, what you're feeling? Yeah. I'm, I shouldn't. Yeah. yeah. A, well, you know, it's interesting to say that because actually the prostate does, for a lot of guys, it's very sexually stimulating. So some guys, it's not to be embarrassed about during sex, like to have their prostate stimulated by their partner or themselves um, because that's what really stimulates them coming. So prostate does have some... Yeah, I'm pretty sure some... not for me. I'm pretty sure that massaging my prostate doesn't make that happen. But, you, you know, you to, to let go, Jason. Have you really explored I'm that? Like, I'm afraid to let go. That's the whole point in the office. That's why I'm so tight. I'm so restrained. I can't handle it. What? But you you really do say, though, that it's important at a certain age, you do need to get it checked because you... the PSA, What's the PSA score, by the way? I don't know how to score myself on that. So when you get your PSA test, what what, what am I looking for? So depending on your age, you're looking to be under a certain level. Okay, so for guys who are less than 60, that number is 2.5 nanograms per, per milliliter. What's for guys, the score on the range? What, where's the range? Like zero, zero to... Zero to some number. Z- right, and if you're less than 60, that number is 2.5. Less if you're more 62. than 60, that number is four. And then if you're more than 70, that number goes to about six. Okay, so, okay. so it's age-dependent. Okay. But you know, just because you have an elevated PSA, which is sort of the, the buzzword for oh, you know, are we thinking that maybe there's cancer? It doesn't mean you have cancer. There are other things like the size of your prostate, um, urinary tract infection, other infection in that area, anything that might be in your bladder that's irritating the prostate or in the, in the urethra that might be irritating the prostate will all cause PSA levels to go up. That's why Dr. Spar was mentioning that PSA is not a good marker for prostate cancer. And that's part of the reason you you compounded with the finger exam, um, you know, because there are other things that can raise PSA levels. Okay, so, and PSA can go up and down. So if you have a test and it's a bad test, what are you gonna recommend? Well, I mean, it really depends on the situation, right? I mean, you have to ask that, you have to put it in context. So if a patient has an elevated PSA, you know, you're going to ask him, you know, when when we did it or, you know, even the day that he comes to see you in the office, you're going to ask him, you know, do you have any problem with peeing? Does it hurt? Does it burn? You know, any signs of a urinary tract infection? You know, have you had any recent instrumentation there, you know, um, et cetera? You're trying to weed out all the possible things that could be causing an elevated PSA. But now, if you had a father or a grandfather or some other male in your life that had had prostate cancer, you're at higher risk. Yes. It depends. I mean, it depends on how old they were when they had it. Because, okay. I mean, the reality is. Is it hereditary? It can be in some cases. But the reality with prostate cancer is that by the time you're 70 or 80, there's about a 70 or 80% chance you have it. By the time, I mean, by the time you reach about 85, 90, there's almost a 100% chance that you have what we would consider prostate cancer in your prostate. Doesn't mean it's going to kill you, doesn't mean it's even going to hurt you, but it's there. 
So, and, and I've heard this before, actually. One of my, one of my very best friends, uh, her Indian and her father, you know, is not tr- very traditionalist, didn't, didn't want any doctors or literally lived until he was 96, just died about a month ago, but had prostate cancer for probably the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. But the doctor said, this is so slow go- growing at this age, it will never kill him. It will be something else. And he ultimately died of old age. But um, I've heard that before. So when do you worry about prostate cancer when would you be concerned well let's let's go back to the elevated psa number right so if that's high and you don't think it's anything else then the patient needs an evaluation for prostate cancer okay and that would you know nowadays that's shifting to include some imaging like an mri but ultimately in order to diagnose prostate cancer you have to do a biopsy okay and once you do that biopsy then you can have an idea of how aggressive that cancer is and in many men, especially as they get older, you know, if, if we had a 75 or 85 year, 80 year old man with what we would call Gleason six or seven prostate cancer, which is low risk prostate cancer, chances are we would recommend that he do nothing because like you said in your friend's father, that's not going to kill him. Something else will. Gleason is, is how aggressive the cells are in that biopsy. Okay. So if you are younger, if you're 48 or 50 years old, you and you see something happening, you'd want to do some kind of a treatment. Yes. I mean, if, if, if any one of us in this room were diagnosed with prostate cancer, there's almost 100% chance that any doctor would recommend we treat it. And because of our age. Because of our age. And what's that going to include? Well, it, it depends. I mean, the most common treatments are surgery to take out the prostate or radiation therapy to kill the cancer in the, in the prostate. And that comes with a whole series of other things to they, talk about. They both do. Yeah. yeah, 100%. All right. But we started this whole conversation around the notion that Frank was not peeing. So there's a really good chance it has nothing to do with prostate cancer. It just means his prostate's probably enlarged. He's struggling to, to, to get it all out. There's a medication he can probably take. It sounds like it's a first line of defense. And if he does that and starts peeing, he's good. That's right. But he doesn't have to suffer. And even though no. he may be not suffering, his wife sure is. And there's no reason for either of them to suffer. That's right. Happy wife, happy life. And if you ultimately are not uh, getting your prostate checked at the point that you're 50 years old, you're probably making a mistake. You exactly. probably should be doing that. You should absolutely should be. Because it's imminently curable if you end up finding out that you have cancer, or at least there's a solution for you if you actually do have something going on. But more likely, that's not going to be a problem if you're staying on top of it. Right. Well, I wouldn't say it's imminently curable, but it's definitely something that's much better off treated at a very early stage. So therefore, you have to find it at a very early stage. It makes right. sense. All right. Frank... Dude, I, I get you. I, I feel like I'm working towards you. Here. I'm hoping it's not going to go this way, but at least I know what I can do about it. All right. Good luck, Frank. Rock Take care. on, Frank. Thanks for listening to another episode of Get It Up. We love to hear from you, our listeners. The best questions are the ones you've been thinking about but haven't asked. So call us. Leave us a message. Maybe your question becomes the next episode. 917-267-7631. That's 917-267-7631. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services. No doctor-patient relationship is formed from listening to this podcast. The use of this information and the materials linked to in this podcast are at the user's own risk and are not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Music.